just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries, and potentially disastrous diagnoses. When I was in Wellington, I discovered that Eddie Hamling, who I had been working with for three weeks in the same office, had type 1 diabetes, had had three brain surgeries, one where he died on the operating table and came back to life and he has an epilepsy diagnosis and that's what we're going to chat about today in this episode we learn about that night when eddie was skateboarding and suddenly his life changed what goes into three brain surgeries when you have an extradural hematoma what growing up with type 1 diabetes was like and i learn a fun fact about deja vu i also say whoa a lot so brace yourself for that eddie has such a beautiful way of explaining things and an awesome outlook on life I took away so much from our chat, and I hope you do too. Welcome to That's So Chronic. I think this is one of those moments where it's been a really good check-in for me, because we've been in the same office for nearly a month now, yeah. and... It is was just one of those moments of when I discovered everything that you have been through in your life. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, you really have no idea what anyone is going through or has gone through the way. <coughs> yeah, definitely. I, I keep it pretty under the table sometimes. Yeah. But it's all right. Yeah, well, I feel so honoured that you are sharing with me and with That's So Chronic today. So yeah. thank you so much. No worries. So you were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes yep. when you were a baby pretty much when you were two years old you then had a skateboarding accident you've had three surgeries since then and following this you were diagnosed with epilepsy so we have a lot to talk about today (laughs) yeah (laughs) shall we start all the way back at the beginning and I am not asking you to remember (laughs) your diagnosis at two years old but I'm wondering if you've like had heard any stories or what that was like yeah so I think I was freshly two years old, two yep. and a couple months, and I just got super skinny all of a sudden ah. and really pale and had no energy to do anything, and mum and dad were confused, so I was in and out of hospital for, for a couple of weeks sort of thing, and then they realised that I have type 1 diabetes, mm-hmm. and back then the technology was like nothing compared to what it is today, you know? Yeah. So I think it took a little bit of time to get used to for mum and dad, and mm-hmm. But, yeah, we seem to manage it all right. And I think getting it so young, I'd almost rather get it when I got it compared to getting it when I was, like, 16 or 17 or something because I didn't know what life is without it, you know? Yeah. And I think living most of your life or a lot of your life without diabetes and then getting it would be such a big change. But I grew up with it, so... It's always just been second nature to me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. When you were at, were at school growing up as a child, was there anything that you had to do differently? Yeah, yeah. I, I had to have like um, I called it brain food at ten o'clock every morning. Have like Love a, that. a couple biscuits or whatever. Yeah. I think yeah. So that that was fun. It was felt kind of special. No mm-hmm. one else could have biscuits. Um, yeah. All the other kids are like, can mum? Can I have diabetes? Yeah, literally. <laughs> and 
And one of my um, my like best best friends at primary school, he got diagnosed with diabetes. Oh. A couple a couple years into knowing him, and he was always so fascinated about it, and yeah. always came with me when I did my injections and stuff like that. And yeah. then a couple years later, he got it as well. <gasps> it was like, Whoa. so that it was kind of cool though, because now I had this diabetic friend, yep. and we could, you know, talk about diabetes things yeah. and stuff like that. You know, with the injections, yeah. Excuse my ignorance. Is that the medication that you take every day? Yeah, so it's it's insulin. Yes. You take. Well, everyone, every diabetic takes different mm-hmm. sorts of insulin and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I do one big injection in the morning okay. and then little ones throughout the day sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not bad though. And I guess that's so true thinking with children, they're so resilient and they can just adapt yeah. immediately. And so I guess growing up, you were probably just like, yeah, this yeah. is just what I got to do. Yeah, because I don't really remember life pre-diabetes, no. you know. It's not like... I look back like, oh, I missed those times where I wasn't diabetic because yeah. I just don't know, you know. How old were you when you started injecting yourself? Um, good question. Probably six or seven, sort of thing. Okay. There were, well, there still are these diabetes camps that you can go on, and there's a, you go out to Long Bay Beach up in Auckland and stay at this camp with a bunch of diabetic oh, uh, wow. other kids and learn how to do all that. So I think that was really helpful as well yeah. with like learning how to manage it by myself, you know. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Good way to meet some more diabetics as yeah. well. <laughs> and so then, the the big thing, the mm. big thing that we are chatting about today yeah. on this episode, you are seventeen. You're yep. in your final year of high school. Yep. And you're out skateboarding. Yeah. So something happens. Tell us. Tell us everything. So, I was at a party. Yeah. And. I had had a couple beers. Mm-hmm. I wasn't super drunk, but don't go skateboarding when you're drunk. No. It's not a good idea. I wasn't very confident at the time, and me and my friend Will were just going down some hills, and I slipped off the the back of my wheels, caught the ground, and I flew off and hit the back of my skull, fracturing up the the back right side of my yeah, of my skull. I don't remember any of this. Like, this is just what I've been told. I Mm -hmm. remember being at the party, and then I remember waking up in hospital. Okay, Um, wow. Yeah, so according to Will, um, and what I've been told, he he didn't know how bad it was, because there's no external signs. It was was just a... He's seen that I hit my head and maybe went a bit, like, loopy. So he took me home. I lived just around the corner. He took me home and put me to bed, which... In hindsight, probably wasn't the best idea, but he didn't know. Like, yeah, yeah we can't blame him. Your kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then my mum uh, found me the next morning. She she came into my room. I had work and I hadn't got up and I was, you know, seizing and foaming <gasps> at the mouth a little bit. And she was like, is he, is he on drugs? Yeah. Like, what did he do last night? So she was calling up everyone. And then, yeah, she took me to hospital. And then, yeah. like, oh, he's got a fractured skull and a bleed around his brain yeah and then I think she managed to get in contact with someone and she found out that I hit my head and so when you get to hospital how does that look did they do scans was it a sort of an emergency type situation yeah so I was in I was in ED for a while in the emergency department you know and uh, I was 
I must have been scanned. I'm not really sure, to be yeah. honest. I was out for a couple of days before I woke up. Wow. Yeah, just asleep for a few days. And then was was in the intensive care unit for a, probably a week or so. Yeah. And then, yeah, the first time I was in hospital, I was in hospital for about two weeks or two or three weeks. And then I was slowly taken to rehab and mm-hmm. relearned how to walk. I was basically bed bound for two weeks Okay. at the start. Yeah, constant CAT scans and yep. MRIs and stuff like that. I had, I think I had nine drips Whoa. in me at once. I had like two in each arm, one in my neck, mm-hmm. one in my, I had a pick line going up my arm. Yeah. yeah. I was hooked up to a lot of things. So what? Why was that? Was that just to essentially keep you yeah, alive? Yeah, I was so unable to do anything. I couldn't yeah. couldn't really sit up. I couldn't, you know, walk. Eating was hard, and yeah, didn't have any energy or anything like that. So I was basically getting all my like nutrients, yes. quote unquote, through that tubes getting pumped into me when you go to hospital for this first time and they realize that there's the fractured skull and the bleeding so eddie did send me an an email with a bunch of information so that is called i think extradural hematoma yeah and so from my research i have found that that is when there is um, a build-up of blood an excess of blood in between the skull and the outer lining of the brain. Yeah, uh, the membrane. Yes. And so to stop that, what do they do? Well, I had a pipe coming out of my head, basically. Yeah. And I had this little bag of blood that sat next to me and it was all the blood getting (sighs) pumped out of my head. Yeah, it was was a weird feeling when I first felt that. Yeah. Because I woke up and had all these bandages around my head, you know, and yeah. I was like, what's this, what's this pipe? And then I looked down and there's this like, yeah, big black bud. And they're like, don't pull on that. Yeah. <laughs> because does that eventually stop bleeding or does it just keep going and they just had to keep taking I, it out? I think it does stop bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just draining out the, the excess. I don't think it's yeah. constantly being refilled or anything. Mm-hmm. Wild. <laughs> and so then how does one... Like, how do the doctors then go, oh, yep, you're okay. Like, that's all over. What is that process in hospital? Good question. Um, They wait till the bleeding stops, obviously. Uh, There's lots of swelling around my brain. Okay. So they're measuring that, watching it go down. It's constant brain tests asking Mm -hmm. me where I am, what the data is, getting me to touch my nose and their finger and my nose and, yeah, constant tests, tests like that, just testing my cognitive yeah. skills and yeah stuff like that and were you passing these tests eventually okay yeah yeah it, t- it took me a little while and then when they could see that I could kind of stand up and and go to the bathroom by myself and function mm-hmm. independently a bit more uh that's when they were like okay you can uh, be admitted oh sorry discharged discharged yeah, yeah. and then I went to a, a rehab facility and okay um, stayed there for a for a little while, learning how to walk and stuff, wow. basically. But it was pretty depressing in there, so I didn't stay in there for long. Okay. Yeah, went went home and recovered there. What were the sort of exercises that you were doing in rehab? Oh, heaps of like walking along with two poles and yep. walking up treadmills with a slight incline or 
yeah, just just little things like yeah. that. Was there a sense of what the future was going to be like for you? Like, were they ever worried that you would not recover from this? Yeah, I think, I think my family. It was more worrying for my family and mm-hmm. the people around me. Like, I, I never thought like that. You know, yeah. I always thought it was going to be all right. I, yeah, try to think optimistically about it. You mm-hmm. know, told myself that I, I didn't. I didn't really think about the fact of not recovering you know yeah. I always kind of thought I'll I'll get through this eventually yeah there were a few times where I was like pretty yeah. depressed and angry and yeah because I couldn't do anything I was so unable you know had to mm-hmm. get help for literally everything yeah like eating my food going to the bathroom you know so I think I was angry at myself for a while mm-hmm. just because yeah I needed so much help but I was so keen to push through it and yeah. wanted to get back to school and wanted to go to the ball and yeah and had yeah yeah I was I was keen to recover so the second surgery wasn't good news <laughs> yes yeah, so tell us so you're discharged from hospital you're then leave rehab yeah. everything how, how are things going you're yeah, you're able to do things yourself yeah yeah I was I was making good recovery I was yeah, going to school again. Yep. I was seeing my mates. Um, everything was fine, and then went for the six week checkup. Okay, and um, was that the first checkup? Yeah, yeah, first first checkup since I got discharged, and they were, saw a little bit of pus uh, around like the scar on my head, and okay. they were like, probably not a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> um, we better get this checked out. So I was like, okay. If you have to, yeah. Um, so I had a had an MRI and a CAT scan, and they noticed that the bone was infected. <gasps> so that was worrying. Mm-hmm. So they put me back under and took me back into the theatre. And wow! And is this all that day of the checkup? Ah, uh, it was the next day. Okay, yeah. I I actually had to wait in hospital for like. Twenty twenty hours or something yeah. until I could have the CAT scan. Just oh, okay, yeah. Everything takes so long. Yes, but Yay, as soon as they s- yeah, <laughs> literally. But as soon as they saw that, they were like, "Okay, we better do something about this." Yeah. Do they know why it was infected? Was it infected post the first surgery, or was it always infected? It's hard to say. Okay. Uh, either something from the first surgery, something got in there. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, it's, wow. it's really hard to say. Yeah. But, yeah, it happened. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, then went into, went into surgery again. They cut out the bone. It's, it's called a, your bone flap. It's like okay. the front, front bit of your skull, basically. Wow. How big are we talking is this um, piece of bone? It's <gasps> like... Guys, it, that's like two hands it's, almost. It's like a small saucer. Yeah. Like, like plate. Like a, like a power shell or half a yeah. coconut sort of thing yeah so yeah they realized the bone was infected and they cut it out during the surgery yeah they gave me a really strong antibiotic called vancomycin of course because infection they're trying to get stop exactly and you don't want infection around your brain because you know obvious reasons so they gave me this uh this antibiotic and i had an anaphylactic reaction to it so Oh my god! My while you're under, while you're yeah. in the operation yeah. on the table. Yeah, yeah. Far out. Um, so my heart stopped beating and my brain waves stopped brain waving, 
And yeah, they had to zap me and, <gasps> you know, get my heart pumping again. Yeah. So that was a bit of a shock when I heard that. So yeah. Made me laugh a little bit, to be honest, because I was like, no way, I'm still here. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was lucky. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. I'm so glad that you are still with us today, Eddie, <laughs> to tell this story. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they removed the, the, the bone flap, the piece of my skull, and I went for six weeks without a piece of my skull. Yeah. So what does that mean? Were you even, you did you have to be lying horizontal the whole time? No, I okay. had to wear a helmet the whole time. Oh, mm. a special so helmet? It was kind of like... One of those rugby helmets, oh, you know, yeah. like the scrum oh, helmets. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. But me and my dad, there was a big hole in the side of the helmet, exactly where the like oh. hole in my head was. So they, so so we went and got myself like a, a better helmet, you yeah. know. So I was walking around school with a oh, helmet whoa. on, yeah, without a piece of your skull. You're yeah. at school. Well, I was. I was so gutted. I was like, it was my last year at yeah. school. I wanted to get UE. I wanted to, you know, go to uni and all that. And it's like, I wanted to get back to school. And they were like, if you want to go to school, you've got to wear this helmet. And Isn't that just wild <laughs> that you were worried about getting UE and you didn't have faith or confidence that you would just like get UE through compassionate consideration or something because you literally are missing a piece of your skull? <laughs> yeah, I don't what know. What does I that was, say? <laughs> I was keen to, to persist, you know? Yeah. Can't give up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, giving up's losing and didn't want to lose. So what was the the procedure? You're wearing this helmet. Were there things you couldn't do? Were there things you had to do? Um. Yeah, I... I couldn't do sports and yeah. and stuff like that. Nothing. I was still, like, even from this first surgery, my body was still very weak. Okay. Because, you know, I was lying down for such a long time. Mm-hmm. You lose so much yeah. muscle mass and all that. So I was still pretty weak at the time. So I, I wasn't doing much, really. Yeah. And, and then that's basically it, really. Yeah. Had, had, had no skull for, for six weeks. I could put my head up against a wall. Okay. And it would be, like, flat <gasps> against my skull. Whoa. So, yeah, that was a relief when we heard that they had something to put in it. Yes. Yeah, so talk us through that. So I have a piece of acrylic in my head. Yeah. And it's 3D printed. They took a a really high definition scan of my skull, mm-hmm. um, made a 3D model of it, and then, yeah, 3D printed this this piece of piece of acrylic and stuck it in my head. As you are somebody who has studied design at yeah. university, is this, like, just yeah. amazing and mind-boggling? Man, yeah, I was, I was excited. I was like, yeah. this is so cool. Like, 10 years ago, this technology wouldn't have been available, no. you know, so what would have happened then? I don't know. Yeah. And I think it's pretty new. Mm-hmm. It was pretty new technology for the for the time, you know. I, I don't think the, the doctors had ever really seen a 3D printed piece of plastic to go in someone's head before, you know. Did you get to see it before it went in? I, I haven't head? seen the actual piece of plastic, mm-hmm. but they also printed like the rest of my skull oh. out of out of the same plastic, you mm-hmm. know. So I've got that at home. At, at, up at mum's place. I've also got the piece of skull that they took out. Yeah, wow. In a frame hanging on the wall <gasps> at mum's house. I love that. Yeah, it's does a little it, bit freaky. Does it look noticeably infected? Ah, uh, not really. It looks like a piece of dirty skull. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's got little um, metal clips on it and yeah. how they attached it to my head the first time and all yeah. that. It, was it that piece of the skull that had fractured and then they had to put that 
like back together. I think it was like part of part of that. Yeah. The bit they cut out was where it fractured. Right. And then they they cut out a hole, and that was to drain the blood and all that. And yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. And so, how long did you have this like soft head for? Ah, uh, so I think it was about six weeks again. Okay. Yeah. And then you go into surgery. How long does the surgery take to insert this piece of plastic? Not too long. Oh, I, I want to say one more thing really Ooh, quickly. Yes. Um, while I had no piece of skull, mm-hmm. missing my bone flap, I was on this antibiotic mm-hmm. and I had to be on it 24 hours a day. Oh. And I had a pick line, so it's a... a a basic, it's like a really small tube. It's like the, the size of a wire and it goes in your arm up by your like bicep and it goes all the way into your heart. And then I had a this, this bottle and it, it looked like a baby's bottle, like yeah. a milk bottle, but it had a balloon in it. And the balloon slowly <gasps> compressed and pumped this antibiotic wow. into myself. And it was going for 24 hours a day. And every day at six o'clock, I had to like change the bottle and put yeah. a new one in. And so I was walking around school with this helmet and this baby <laughs> bottle on the side of my... And you have type one diabetes. Yeah. So you're also dealing with all of that every day. Yeah. I'm wondering how Juggling. does that work in hospital when you have type one diabetes? Like, is there certain, are there differences? Do like specialist nurses have to do certain things? Yeah. Or how does that look? I think I'm always hooked up to multiple machines telling yep. me what my blood sugar are. I had yeah, drips pumping glucose into me so I didn't have to eat, you know, yep. but could still put my blood sugar up. Yeah, I, I feel like the nurses know how to handle it mm-hmm. pretty well. Yeah. No no more treatment than any other diabetic yep. gets, Yeah. really. And then it's surgery number three. Yeah, surgery number three. So they went, yeah, went under put the piece of plastic in, all went smoothly, woke up later that day and was in hospital for a couple of days, I think, just recovering, being monitored, yeah. making sure I was fine. But man, I was keen to get out of that hospital. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I got out and had my checkup six weeks after that and there was no, no signs. So that was wow. a good relief. What does the six weekly checkup look like? Uh, it's basically... You go have a talk with the doctor. Mm-hmm. If there's uh, a concern, then you have a scan. Yeah. But they basically just, yeah, look at the outside and ask you how it's feeling and, yeah. And then is that it for the rest of your life or do you have regular checkups to see how this thing is going? That's that's pretty much it. Wow. They, they said that, I, th- I think, I, I could be wrong here, but I think the first, like, two months of having the piece of plastic in your brain, uh, your skull's pretty... It's not as strong, you know. Yeah. It's pretty vulnerable and stuff. But after that, your bone molds around it, and mm-hmm. it's just as strong as your your old skull, theoretically. So yeah, the, I should be alright. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, touch wood. And it's all just acrylic, isn't it? So there's no extra beeping when you go through airport security no, or anything. No, no, yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I was kind of hoping for a titanium <laughs> skull or something <laughs> like that, you know. But. But no, I didn't know it was going to be 3D printed until like the day of the surgery. Wow. Yeah, they were like, oh, by the way, we've 3D printed your head. And yeah. It's come over from Australia. What color is it? It's clear. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if I ever rip open like some skin on my head. Yeah. I, will it see my brain? I don't know, yeah. but I really want to know. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be kind of freaky. And so throughout all of this, I know we've sort of like blitzed through these three really ginormous brain surgeries yeah. that you have gone through. How were you feeling mentally about all of this? Um, at the start, pretty shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wasn't, yeah, wasn't enjoying myself, was angry at myself. I was angry at the doctors and yeah. stuff like that, which was completely unre- uh, unreasonable. And I realized that. And yeah. I realized that the best thing I could, could do was just, you know, try to stay calm and relax and have a calm state for my body to heal, you know, mm-hmm. being stressed and stuff like that doesn't help you, yeah. doesn't help your body heal. So I was, I was pretty sad for a while. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but come the third surgery, I was ready to have a full skull again. Yeah. And ready to be, I was excited. Yeah. I was, I was excited more than anything come, come the end of it. Did you get to go to the school ball? Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I was I was pretty out of it. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, that was just after the first surgery and I was pretty, I was still drugged up on yeah. on a lot of things. And so I didn't, I was pretty weak. I had a, a, a cane, like mm-hmm. a straight, um, sorry, what are they called? A crutch. Yeah. Crutches. Yeah. But I got there. Yeah. And, and that was exciting. And with your family going through all of this with you, have you talked to them looking back now and how that all went down for them yeah well I think it was definitely more scary for them than it yeah. was for me because I didn't really know what's going on you know yeah. I was so out of it I was so oblivious and I suppose the doctors were always relaying the information to them as opposed yeah. to you because yeah. you're going through this yeah I'm not awake most yeah. of the time you know so I think I think it was really hard on them it was especially hard on yeah mum and dad and my sisters yeah but I think they could see that I was recovering slowly and mm-hmm. They were they were so helpful, you know. They they, I always had someone by my side at, at yeah. hospital and yeah, and yeah, they brought me good food and stuff like nice. that. So that was always nice. Do you remember what your favorite thing to eat in hospital was? Like, oh. were you craving anything in particular? Uh, I always craved chocolate. Yeah, but chocolate's <laughs> just my favorite thing. Yeah, but something weird happened after. After the first surgery, I lost my sense of smell, oh. which is quite common after brain surgery. Okay. And with your sense of smell comes your sense of taste. Yes. So my taste buds were thrown off. They, yeah. Everything tasted really weird and different. And things with natural fats in it, like avocado and yeah. bacon and, and chocolate, it tasted really weird. Oh, it was like a no. kind of bitter, kind of sour. Yeah like feeling to it so for like I think it was like three or four months until I really got my smell and my taste back yeah everything just tasted kind of bland and gross interesting yeah yeah so anything tasted better than the hospital food yeah but (laughs) but everything tasted strange it was yeah get smelling something for the first time smelling coffee yeah when I yeah, when I hadn't smelt anything for like three or four months, it was yeah. the most exciting thing ever. Like, mum had mum had put a co- pot, pot of coffee on. I was like, oh, that smells nice. And I was like, wait, <gasps> that smell. smells nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was it was so exciting. Yeah, eh? yeah. Was there any additional support that you were being offered in the hospital to deal with this massive life event that you're going through? Um, 
Not so much. Mm-hmm. And was Will around for this recovery and yeah. rehab time? Yeah, he, he was around. He came and visited me in hospital a couple of times mm-hmm. and I think he was pretty excited when I rocked up to the ball. I didn't tell anyone that I was coming. Oh. I just kind of appeared with a shaved head and, yeah. and stitches all down the side of my skull. So yeah, no, he was around, mm-hmm. and and yeah, he was he was a good friend. Yeah, yeah. Did did anybody explain? Was it was it lucky that your mum came in when she did? Yeah. If it had gone any longer, or was, yeah, is that risky? definitely yeah. definitely the state that she found me in? Like I was not good, yeah. to say the least. Yeah, um, yeah. It left me a couple more hours or or whatever, and I. It could have been much worse. Yeah. You know, the, the bleeding could have pushed my brain mm-hmm. brain forwards even more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could have hit my head on something, seizing. And yeah. Yeah, it, it could have been a lot worse than it was. Mm-hmm. So, thanks, Mum. Yeah. Throughout the surgeries, were the surgeons and the doctors specialists explaining any sort of side effects that might come from having three brain surgeries? Yeah. Well, they told me about the sense of smell thing. Okay. Yeah, they, they said that you're probably going to be weak for a while. Mm-hmm. It's You can be confused and, and your emotions may fluctuate and stuff like that, you know. But but they, they were good. They... There was nothing that came unexpected that they, okay, they yeah. didn't tell me about. I um, I had very good brain surgeons. Yeah. You know, I had like the top of New Zealand, basically. Yeah. Same brain surgeon who gave Mick Jagger, <gasps> Keith Richards from the Rolling yeah. Stones, because he, a coconut fell on his head when he <gasps> was in uh, some some island, tropical island. Yeah. Closest brain surgeon was in New Zealand, <gasps> so he was flowing there, and the guy who gave brain surgery to him gave brain surgery to me. What a flex. Yeah, what a claim right? to fame. Basically touched Mick Jagger's yeah. brain, just saying. <laughs> I don't want to brag, yeah, but, but that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and so they leave, you've got this piece in your brain, or on your skull. They leave you to it. Life carries on. Yeah. When do you start to... N- Notice that things are maybe yeah. starting to flare up. So, went to uni. Mm-hmm. Um, got UE. Yeah, Yay! got UE. Stoked. <laughs> um, yeah, was partying and li- doing uni, living first year life. Yeah. And then I had a little seizure in okay. my friend's room. I fell onto the floor and mm-hmm. shook around for a little bit. And then I basically slept for a day wow. after that because you're so exhausted after a seizure. Yeah. And I don't really remember this. Yeah. The, the when it really when I really started noticing it going weird, mm-hmm. I started having really really intense deja vu's. Oh. And they were they were so weird. It felt like they'd last for like five ten minutes at a time, and yeah. I I felt like I had done everything I almost felt like I could predict the future yeah like, I know it sounds weird but I was like I've lived this before I know what's gonna happen this is gonna happen and yeah I, and yeah and it was such a strange feeling it was like a dizzy deja vu feeling and that happened a few mornings when I was getting ready for uni and I was yeah. like this is a little bit weird but I didn't think much of it mm-hmm. I thought I was I don't know maybe just tired and yeah. stressed and stuff and then I had another seizure and yeah, at a person I was seeing it at the time. And 
that's when I went to hospital and they were like, yeah. you've had a few seizures now. We think you've got epilepsy. Did you tell someone after that first seizure or did you just go home and just... Oh, well, I didn't really know it was a seizure at okay. this point. yeah. Because it's such a weird feeling. Mm-hmm. You kind of just wake up and you're like, oh, like what just happened? Yeah. And I don't think the person I was with, she didn't know that yeah. I'd had a seizure either. She was... I don't know, confused. Yeah. So yeah, and, and then after I had all these weird deja vu things and had another se- uh, yeah, little seizure, went to the doctor and they were like, epilepsies, when you have a certain amount of seizures under a certain amount of time. Yeah. So they were like, hey, you've got epilepsy and put me on epilepsy medication straight away. And yeah. It, it, yeah, seemed to help. It took, a, it took a while to get the right dose. I was having a few seizures, which wasn't great for first year. Yeah. Just because I was in and out of hospital a little bit. Again. Yeah. After every seizure, would you then have to go to hospital? Uh, no, no. Okay. Af- after, after the first big one, yeah. when I was really shaking about, wow. um, that was when yeah, they called the ambulance. And How long would that have se- seizure have lasted for? Oh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. A minute or two maybe. Yeah, or wow. like a minute, minute and a half, yeah. which is yeah, quite long for a seizure. Mm-hmm. If, if you see have someone having a seizure... If it's longer than 30 seconds, call the ambulance. Yes. <laughs> and don't put anything in their mouth because that's just not a thing. No. Get their head away from the wall. Yes. Oh, my God. What is the name of the epilepsy medication that you're on? Do you uh, know? So I'm on Lamotrigine. Okay. Which is also used for a few other things. It's used for um, borderline personality disorder and a yep. few other yeah, mental brain disorders, I suppose. Yeah. And it took yeah, it took a while to get the dose right, but mm-hmm. we got there in the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was I remember in the news like a few years ago there was an mm. epilepsy medication where they changed yeah. the, they went to the generic brand yeah. rather than, yeah. So that that was a bit of a big deal. That was was that last year? It might have been two years ago now. Yeah. But yeah, basically the government stopped funding all the cert, all the brands and they just started funding this one brand of, mm. of epilepsy medication and a lot of other me- medication. And within a month of doing that, six epileptics died in New Zealand. Yeah. So that was worrying. And I was swatched, uh, swapped to this new new brand. Same same drug, still mm. Lamotrigine, but this new brand. Yes. And I was having seizures. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like almost almost straight away, a couple of weeks after changing, I was I was in McDonald's on Menace Street and yeah. I was on the ground. And <gasps> yeah. And what? so what then happened? Did the, were the doctors like... On your side? Yeah, yeah, they were. And it was like, let's just take down Pharmac. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. Pretty much. They they said, well, I, I said I've, ever since I swapped to this new medication, yeah. I haven't been feeling that right. And I was told that it might take a while or it might take a minute to mm-hmm. my body to like get used to this new drug, you know. And I remember how ridiculous it was in the media and a lot of yeah. people coming forward being like, oh, it's all in their heads. They're just, it's just a placebo thing. They're yeah, making it up. No. It's like, oh no, I don't think you just like made up that <laughs> seizure in McDonald's on Manistree. Yeah, literally. So, so I got a special allowance okay. um, and I got put on, put on the old medication Okay. again, which is, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think a few epileptics around the country did that. Do you have to, is there a process every year to get that special allowance again? I think it was just the one-off. Okay. I've got to keep going to the same pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Like that, the, yeah, this one pharmacy, they stock those pills okay. because I go there. But 
if you went to another pharmacy, they probably wouldn't, you wouldn't know. Wouldn't have them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, nah, it's fine. Haven't had a seizure in over a year, touch wood. Touch all of the wood. Yeah. Yay. Um, so that's great. Yeah, yeah, that is amazing. And so with the epilepsy, do they think that it is in relation to having three brain surgeries? Yeah, well, it's it, it's so hard to say. Okay. It's probably is yeah. the answer. Probably most definitely, but also they can't confirm yeah. that you yeah. know they assume but there's no way to prove you know mm-hmm. was yeah. that ever discussed that that might happen in the future that you might have seizures when you were in hospital um they said there could be some uh some things that come from it but mm-hmm. they didn't really talk about it nah yeah they didn't say you've got a good chance to get epilepsy or anything like that they said monitor yourself and take it easy and yeah yeah but there wasn't wasn't much of a warning. No, I yeah. was I was very confused when I started getting these deja vu's and yeah. waking up in weird places. And, yeah, and I didn't know it was epilepsy for a while. I yeah, yeah. I was it, was it was a weird feeling. Do you know anybody else with epilepsy? Yeah, I I do actually. One of my best mates, his older brother's got epilepsy. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and we're on the same same medication. He okay, he yeah. even got the the special allowance to get back on the old old brand as well. Yeah. So that's quite good. And we have the same sorts of seizures because there's so many different types of epilepsy, you know. Yeah, I was reading that seizures can really vary. From, yeah. Like some people could might just be staring blankly yeah. and that's a seizure. Yeah. Or some people, yeah, are on the ground with the uncontrollable movements. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there, there's so many different types and so many different triggers as well. Like every time I say I've got epilepsy, people are like, oh, how do you go to like concerts and how do you go to clubs? And yeah. Like flashing lights, rah, 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 and it's it's not that sort of epilepsy, and okay, that's that's yeah. quite an uncommon sort of epilepsy, right, is the okay. the photosensitive. So yeah, I, my my seizures are mostly triggered by stress, exhaustion. Yeah, if I don't take my medication, yeah, <laughs> that's the biggest thing probably. But yeah, if I'm if I'm tired and stressed and just yeah run down, if I'm staying up late, maybe yeah. that's that's when I have. My seizures, yeah. And this ha- was all happening in first year of university, which yep. university is kind of a stressful time. <laughs> yeah. Were you definitely. doing anything in particular to help mitigate some of the stress? Like, did, did you have any tips or tricks that you were um, starting to implement in your life? Probably not in first year, no. Yeah. But I feel <laughs> like as time went on, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Ways to calm myself down and just you know, take a minute and let myself, let the stress disperse a little bit, you know, yeah. fade away. Just, just going and sitting outside, yeah. you know, sitting and get, get amongst greenness, you know, yes. it's, it does so much for your physical health and your mental health. Yeah. Like it's get out into nature, everyone. <laughs> yeah. So what does 2021 look like for you with type 1 diabetes with epilepsy having survived nearly yeah. literally dying and then being resuscitated <laughs> and then three brain surgeries yeah i i don't know hopefully no major problems yeah would be great if i didn't have a seizure yeah oh, yeah i think that's the goal yeah that's the goal no seizures 2021 seizure free yes but yeah it's hard to control sometimes yeah but but it's doable uh, i'm not allowed to drive within a year of having a seizure. So oh, okay. the longer I can go without a seizure, the better. Yeah. How, um, how long since the last seizure? Uh, so the last one was December... Oh, December 2019. Oh. Wait. So it's over a year ago. Yeah. You can drive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, 
yeah, that that was the last the last big one. Yeah, I've had really little ones. A deja vu is technically oh, a seizure. Oh, okay. Because a seizure is when the neurons in your brain mm-hmm. are sent to the wrong part, basically. Yeah. So a deja vu is when you the neurons from your eyes they sending information to your brain uh, to a part of your brain, be like, this is what's happening right now. This is what you're seeing. Yeah. But you have a little seizure. Yeah. And the neurons go to the part of your brain that's your memory. So it's mm, like you right. see something, but it's sent directly to your memory instead of the part of your brain saying this is what's <gasps> happening now. Whoa. So it's a little seizure. And yeah, so if you have a deja vu, you're technically having a little seizure. So yeah, I'm going to think of you whenever <laughs> I have a deja vu moment now. Mm, mm. That is incredible. If you, I guess to conclude, if you could go all the way back to Eddie, who is in the hospital just after surgery, number one. Little did you know there was a piece of infected skull <laughs> just chilling in your head. Yeah. And who is feeling really sad and angry and just down about this whole experience. If you could go back now, what would you say to that Eddie? Um, I think I'd just say it's going to be okay, you know? Yeah. Well, it's going to be, there's going to be some ups and downs for sure. Like, it's going to be hard at parts, but it'll it'll get better, you know. Just keep persisting. Just keep going. Yeah. Keep an open mind about it. Yeah, like, you'll get through it, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that would have been nice to be told that. Uh, and I was always, I always thought I would get better, but there was definitely times where I was like, fuck, this is, yeah. this is rough. This, this is hard. Is this actually going to happen? I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. I tell myself just to keep going. And I tell that to anyone who's who's going through hard health issues, whether that's mental health or physical health. It it is hard, you know. Yeah. And there's no denying that. And you can't you can't just stop. Mm-hmm. The things aren't just gonna go easy like that, you know. Yeah. There's a process, but just keep going. Yeah. And things will get better. Do you still skateboard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, much to my parents' despair. <laughs> But, yes, a little bit. Oh, Eddie, thank you so much for sharing your story Uh, with me today. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. I know. I think I said whoa about 58,000 times. If you also said wow or you enjoyed this episode, please let me know. Tag me in a selfie of you listening to the podcast and I'll make sure to share it as well. Find me on Instagram at That's So Chronic. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you aren't already or press follow on Spotify. We also really appreciate all of the reviews and shares because that really helps That's So Chronic get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and, more importantly, hope. So thank you so much. <laughs>